0: with With the internet, it's much easier for people to infringe. Um, and it's you know sometimes easier to to catch them doing so, but it can be difficult as well. I know that some major companies, when you think of um, like Time Warner and think companies such as that, have dedicated departments to monitoring their copyrighted materials. Welcome to the e commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e commerce selling today. Here's your host, Steven Peterson.
1: Hey, wanted to jump in a couple things. First off, I got to put a disclaimer on this episode for Anne. Um, then you're going to hear Ann Palma talk through she's a lawyer who talks mm-hmm. through a whole bunch of stuff and gets very technical for me till I can understand it. Cause that's the way I think is that If I don't understand it, there are other people that probably don't understand it. So I asked her to go deep and I, I parsed, I pushed on a bunch of things. And one, I was asking about Google AdWords. And so her answer was, it was, it was legal. Now she did qualify it and I, I want to make sure that her answer gets corrected, um, for her, um, really what she's saying is that it's still being disputed. So it's really not perfectly conclusive, um, that it's legal. Uh, in some cases it's not. And so it's really being disputed. So really, you know, take that uh, answer and and adjust it and just say, Hey, don't be so certain. That's when you get counsel. That's why you need counsel. And again, that's what you talk to. Okay. Disclaimers out there, and you should feel good. Uh, I got you represented, right? Um, I do want to talk about two sponsors, though. I don't want to miss this because I use both of them this week, and I just always think that it's better when you can give real life examples. So, the first one, uh, first one I want to talk about is solutions for e-commerce solutions. The number four e-commerce, um, that's Karen Lockers Group, and I've been a customer, of Karen's, I guess, for a couple of years, and I use it all the time. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't create my own listings. Karen's group does Um, and sometimes Karen herself does and the case that I used her this week was for a bundle wanted to create a bundle and it's bad news it didn't work but man she went extra mile like spent almost two days on it trying to get this done and it turns out the brand you can't do that you can't it was a toy and they would not allow it they rejected it twice actually I think three times but she tried all I mean to go above and beyond that's why I use Karen Locker's service That's the service that I get. Um, And so, you know, to go above and beyond. And basically, you know, I'm sending her stuff to create listings for me. And then in this case, it was a bundle, it just didn't work. And and she went for the exemption and they said no. And then she tried it again and they said no. So I appreciate the effort. And if I would have spent that much time in Q4, I mean, it would have crushed me. That's why I bring somebody on the team. And that's why we have uh, solutions, the number four e-commerce um, on our team. And so, you know, if you're interested in that service and you're going to pay the same price I am, but you get to save 50 bucks. I don't get to save 50 bucks. I got to say something to her. I don't get to save 50 bucks. Um, but if you go to solutions, the number four com forward slash momentum, you're going to save 50 bucks. And she's going to do an inventory health report for you. The only place you're going to get the inventory health report. And let's face it, if you're getting monthly storage fees and long-term storage fees, yes, we all are every month from now on it's an opportunity to get your inventory in order save some money but save the 50 bucks so again solutions number four ecommerce.com forward slash momentum tell karen i sent you the second sponsor i want to talk about is scope and you know i know i talk about them a lot it's because i use them a lot and so we did wholesale um uh, we expanded some wholesale we added some variations in and so we added some other things and so what we do is we just you know, do the reverse ASIN lookup and get out there and take a look and see our competitor what they're doing. Why are they having so much success? And so by uh, using scope and doing that reverse ASIN lookup, you get the opportunity to, um, to have that benefit. So if you go to sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum, uh, forward slash scope, excuse me, I'm sorry forward slash scope, um, use the code momentum and you're going to save 50 bucks. I love that $50. Can't you tell? I always ask for the $50 savings. So use that code momentum and you're going to save 50 bucks and it's going to help you find the high traffic keywords. I mean, keywords are important. Um, you'll hear people talk about them all the time, but you want high traffic. Um, you want to make sure, I mean, it's a competitive market right now. You've got to make sure you have the right things working for you. So again, that's why I use it and I use it this week and it was awesome. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the e commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 364 and Palma. Okay, nerds, get ready for your speak. Uh, we have a fellow nerd coming in to talk to us about all that fun legal IP issues and a very cool lady who clearly knows what she's talking about in a real calm way. And I love it. Um, I love how, to be honest with you, I have a presentation that she had done, her and another gentleman, and it's just so easy to understand. And I really appreciate that, that they're not dumbing it down. They're just trying to make it a little clearer. Um, And it's muddy waters. And she'll even talk about how muddy it is sometimes because there's, you know individual interpretations, but they do a decent job of making it relatively clear. So I have some of the slides on this episode, come out and check out on the website. Um, but we talk about patents and, uh, trademarks and copyrights and, and when it's right, when it's not, when you should do it yourself, when you shouldn't do it yourself. And you, you know, of course you probably shouldn't do it yourself more than you should. Um, but then they also have a, a neat thing where, you know, you can do a quite a bit of it and then they can help take a look at it and, and help take it It's the right way, all the way to the edge. And I think that's really important too. So let's get into podcasts. Really, really cool stuff. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. We're excited about today's guest um, because I think it's it's a fresh perspective for most of us. Uh, Most of us have never heard of our guest. Um, we've heard from some other attorneys, give you a little clue and, and they have a point of view, but I, you know, I, what I find with most attorneys, it's an interpretation and it's a point of view and some are willing to push the envelope a little bit more. Some are not, um, some are really geared to keep you on the straight and narrow. So you don't have to defend your position. Um, and I think that's the best place to play. Um, and I'm hopeful that our guest today and Palma can help us do that. Welcome, Anne.
0: All right, thanks for having
1: me. I appreciate you coming on. Um now, let's just first get to your practice, uh, that where you focus is in copyrights, trademarks and patents, correct?
0: That's correct.
1: Okay. Now I'm gonna call you a nerd. Why I mean, you gotta <laughs> be reading the most minutious stuff. I mean you don't I mean, was that your like your goal? It's like, Hey man, I'm gonna I'm gonna be reading contracts and just Awful minutiae stuff forever. Was that? Is that what you're gonna do?
0: Hundred percent. You know, it even started before that. Oh, um, did he, you're school.
1: a real nerd.
0: I'm a real nerd. Love when it. I was an undergrad, I um, came in as a biology major, and then I had a dream about calculus one night, and decided that I missed math, so I switched my degree to chemistry and pursued a degree in chemistry.
1: Okay. All right. So uh, that's definitely nerdy. Um, yes. And. What was it, I mean, because it's interesting you say that, because what was it for uh, calculus that you missed? Was it was it the the challenge? What was it?
0: It's funny. It's almost the the yes and no black and white that I missed, the having an answer, which as an attorney, we get zero of. So it's interesting uh, that I made, made the switch to law, but... Um, so yeah.
1: you wanted absolutes. I mean, that's what was exciting for you, right, to like you said, black or white, the answer is there. I can, if the, if it doesn't work, then I did something wrong. Let me figure it out. Let me figure it out. And then boom, I got it.
0: Exactly. It's a puzzle. And I know that puzzle is an answer. And, and that is probably where the law side comes in is everything that I face is a puzzle and there may not be the black and white answer that math provides but there is an answer that you can you can come to
1: generally right i mean for yes. the most part other than external i always say this there are a lot of Uh, external forces. Like we all saw on Amazon. Well, guess what? Amazon's going to do what's right for them. And it's not always logical because there's so many, you know, there's humans. There's what, half a million employees. So guess what? Somebody's going to make a decision different than what you and I think. And therefore somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. Outside of my control, I can do everything right. And yet they still could mess it up. They make mistakes just like you do. Right. And so in law, to me, I always sit back and I think generally it's, you know, speed limit's a speed limit unless and then there's extenuating circumstances right and that's where it's interpretation um one of the things that i've seen or i've now the 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 news whether it's fake or not i don't know that it is or not but they call it legislating from the bench in in the field that you're in copyrights trademarks and patents right generally the laws were written i don't know how long ago um and still it's still being written. Still being, yeah. So, so is that what's happening? Is they're kind of legislating from the bench because it's not all been, you know, especially like like e-commerce, for example, that didn't happen back when they wrote most of the laws, right?
0: Absolutely, that's the case. So Congress will will draft a law with certain language, and then it's up to the courts to interpret that language, and those interpretations change over time. Um, And when I say that laws are still being written, at least on the patent side, in 2012, there was a whole new set of laws that were enacted. And so we are still figuring out how those laws should be interpreted. When um, I was
1: thinking about this, too, like I have a friend who's he's a D.A. here now um, and he retired and then the other DA moved up, and now he's back to being the DA. He was a, he was a judge for a long time, and now he's back to being a DA. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, um, and he does criminal stuff most of it. And I said to him, I said, how different is he? He goes, it's night and day than when I was DA before. Mm-hmm. And I think about like judges. Most of them were probably old white dudes, but but there has to be some fresh perspective coming into it. Even in the copyright, trademark, and patent area, is that fresh perspective having a lot of influence on um, on copyrights, trademarks, and patents? Because they they're they've grown up maybe with a computer in their house, and and so now they have some some idea of what's going on.
0: Absolutely, um, the fresh perspective is particularly being seen at the Patent and Trademark Office right now. We have um, a whole new system for evaluating patents, and they're judges who used to be attorneys, and Hmm. so they're in the thick of patent law, and they have a really good understanding of of what the law should be and how it should be interpreted. Um, Is it an
1: advantage, then, to do a patent today, like, versus, you know, 10 or 15 years ago? I mean, is it, because what you described, it sounds like there's a whole new approach to it.
0: um, I wouldn't say there's a whole new approach to obtaining a patent. Computers have really created this new avenue of of what you can patent, and we're still figuring out whether or not it should be patented, what aspects of computers should be patented. So I wouldn't say it's more advantageous than it was before. There's just technology is advancing at an increasing rate currently, Um, and patents are just trying to keep up.
1: I remember um, one business I was in, and there was a gentleman who patented if it was barcodes or something like that and this guy came back and just kept you know suing companies after companies and getting paid from them because he had the rights the technology i think that's what it was or something like that and i would assume you know um because i i see it on the copyright side with photos um i forget who the photo company is there's a major photo company and when you use one of their photos you will get a bill and you will pay that bill or they will take you to court um that technology allows um, the other side of it, right? People finding all the infringements on their stuff a lot easier today, right? That seems to make sense.
0: It's kind of both sides. It's easier to infringe. It's easier to, to copy people's copyrights and, and intellectual property. It's also easier to find people at the same time.
1: Hmm. So it's a double edged sword. So, uh, <laughs> um, so so let's walk through um, the things. Um, uh, well, let's just start with what the difference between a copyright, a trademark, a patent, and maybe even a trade secret are.
0: Yeah, so a trademark, to start with that, is a symbol or word that you can legally register or establish by actually using it in commerce that indicates a source of your goods. So when you think about a trademark, um, picture the Nike symbol, picture the Coca-Cola word, the apple symbol or the apple word. it's It's a use of a slogan. Or a word that will signify this is my brand, and these are my goods that are coming from my brand.
1: So I could just pick a word, and from this point forward, and say that's Steve's word, or no.
0: Well, are you using that word in conjunction with goods or services that you're planning to sell?
1: So I'm going to sell boc- I'm going to sell air. I'm going to put it in a box. I'm going to ship it to you, right? And so I'm going to sell. I want to. I want to uh, trademark the word air. How likely is that going to happen?
0: Pretty unlikely. So, when you apply for a trade, well, let me step back. You can use whatever you would like. If you want to protect the word air, you would have to register it through the trademark office. And they're going to likely tell you that your choice of the word air to sell products that contain air is descriptive. And so, this is important because when you're choosing a trademark, it's important to think about choosing a word or a phrase or a, a logo that is unique and not necessarily identification of the goods or brands or goods or services that you're selling.
1: So, like, I'm thinking of the Apple computers. So mm-hmm. there have been apples before Steve Jobs uh, went into computer world, right? The apples, uh, I think Adam and Eve were the first uh uh, notion that we've seen apples and so they've been around for a long time what makes them distinct the word apple because i don't think it's apple computer only i think it's just apple right
0: it's just Apple.
1: right what makes them distinctive that makes that defensible
0: well when you think of the word apple you don't think of computers Well, previous to the origination of apple computers correct right right so that is a unique identifier that places their goods and services under that brand.
1: Hmm. So is it I mean, so because I'm like I'm thinking of banana, all right? So banana, what would what, what's the distinction between Apple and a banana? So if I wanted to make I guess there are banana games. I've that's a that's a trademark I've seen out there because there's a company that makes games in shape like a banana and there's little tiles in there. So is it the apple logo in conjunction with their name or is it the apple the use of it so they're using it on computers now if they made apple cars would that take them a whole new direction and then that has to get addressed differently or i don't get it
0: yeah so if they wanted to pursue the use of the trademark apple with sales of cars they would file a trademark with the USPTO for use of the word Apple with cars. So right now, if I were to go look at their trademark registrations, I can't say this for certain, but I would think that most of their goods and services are related to technology. You know, computers, headphones, iPhones, that type of thing. Um, So if they wanted to identify a whole other area of goods and services, they would just have to do that at the patent office. Absolutely. Is it
1: a new trademark or is it a uh, an expansion of their existing trademark?
0: It would technically be a new trademark because their old trademark only covers the goods and services that they filed for. And so this new trademark would be used to cover the new goods and services, the cars.
1: Okay. And how long is a trademark good for?
0: Uh, forever. Okay. As long as you continue to pay. The renewal (laughs) fees, right?
1: Somebody benefits. There's always somebody benefiting. And I bet you they're attorneys. Yes. Yes. Uh,
0: No, actually, the United States Patent and Trademark Office, I believe, is one of the only profitable areas of the government. Huh. Uh, So, for good reason. They charge fees. And you have to continue to use it. So, every... Um, five to ten years the office requires you to renew your trademark and not only with the fee you have to also prove that you're still using the mark in commerce so they don't want people just sitting on these marks and not using them if you don't use it it will go abandoned but you can always reapply for your trademark pay the office some more money show that you're using the goods and commerce and then have uh, rights to your trademark again, assuming nobody else has come in and started using it.
1: Right. And so somebody can't come in and, uh, you know, how they used to uh, sit on the uh, websites, right? They can't come in and, and take – if Apple doesn't pay, they can't come in and uh, just just take that trademark without having a technology good that, that meets the requirements of that trademark, correct?
0: Right. Or an intent to use – a good or service. So that's the distinction with trademarks is Uh when you go to file a trademark, you don't actually have to be using it in commerce at that time. You know, Say you have a product that's being manufactured currently and not for sale, you can file what we call an intent to use the trademark and then it goes through registration and you have a certain period of time in order to show the office that you are in fact using it. So it buys you a couple years.
1: Okay, and does that Um, does Amazon, and this is a specific Amazon question, does Amazon accept that intent for trademark? I mean, do you get a document that says, Steve, you have that trademark, um, the swish for your water bottle, um, that's yours. And then would Amazon accept that? Or is that just a holding place that just keeps you in hold?
0: Once you have a registration number, that's when Amazon finally accepts it. And I, you know, I'd have to look at whether or not, um, Amazon accepts the registration once it, once it is allowed but before you have showed the specimen. I, I have a feeling they do, but I'd have to double check on that.
1: So, so I want to make sure I get clear on that because I'm not clear and somebody else is going to message me. I, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm right on this. So I'm, I'm putting out my water bottle, and uh, it's Steve's water bottle. That's what we're going to trademark it as. And so I
0: am uh, uh, getting – Let's give it a better name. Let's call it um, Banana. Banana.
1: Ah, a banana banana water bottle. And so I'm going to uh, file an intent because they're going to get manufactured. I really don't have a product in hand, but I plan on doing it. I'm building out my organization. So I apply for it because these take time, right? How long does a trademark take generally?
0: Generally about eight months.
1: Okay, so about eight months. So I'm like, all right, this is a big deal. I want to make sure I protect it, buy the domain, right? Get the website, get all that jazz, get all that stuff locked down so I can, you know, because I'm going to invest. And so I get... um, at eight months, I'm still in the manufacturing process. I don't have a product. Um, will I get a trademark without a product, without a physical product?
0: You will. But that's oh. when the time starts ticking. You have um, You technically have six months to submit what we call a specimen, showing that you are using the trademark banana with your water bottle. You can also seek extensions, up to five extensions after that of six months each. In order to submit that specimen, so the the clock definitely starts ticking. If you don't use it within that 36 month period, then your trademark will lapse. But you do receive a registration number. Okay,
1: and so that that's the point where, as you said, Amazon would accept it generally because you you, you meet the requirements. They don't know that you don't have the product, right? It it just uh, makes sense. So. Um, I'm sitting here thinking about what's your advice to clients then when they come to you and say, hey, should I trademark this thing? I have no, it's there's no proof of concept. I mean, I think it's a great idea. Every, every idea I have is a great idea. You know, Steve, <laughs> right? And I'm, I'm sure. Um, I've never heard that. You've never that heard that from, from a guy, especially, right? No. Never, never. <laughs> um, so, so I think every big idea I have is a great idea. So should I just go and apply for a trademark for every single one of the things I, I think I'm going to do?
0: you have to use some reason it's obviously expensive and can get expensive um, to file trademark applications so i would say yes be a little little broader than you think you might go but maybe be a little reasonable in terms of how many trademarks you're going to file but i would definitely get something on file as soon as you possibly can okay Just because it takes time and amazon requires that registration before they are willing to acknowledge your brand for the brand registry program. So I've had a lot of clients that say, hey, can we expedite this process? You know, I need Amazon to recognize my trademark, and there's not much we can do on our side to expedite unless there are, you know, infringement concerns. It takes a lot in order for the office to be willing to expedite a trademark. So the earlier you get it in, the better. So
1: let me ask you this, because you're a a profession that builds by the, 15 minute increment. So, but I'm looking for an honest answer here. So, um, do people need to use an attorney or are these legal zooms? Because I, you know, I listen to the radio. Uh, On the radio, it says legal zoom can solve all my legal problems. And there's a whole team of lawyers there sitting someplace, probably in downtown Chicago, just waiting for Steve to send his stuff to them. What, I mean, realistically, what's the difference?
0: Realistically, we're going to dot our eyes and cross our T's much better than probably one of those services. Um, you can file a trademark on your own. Actually, the the USPTO has a great um, group of references and information for how you can file your trademark. The thing is we have the experience, we have the practice, we've been through this before. We we know what to look out for ahead of the game, and we give you that personalized attention which I'm you know I haven't gone through one of these services so I'm not entirely sure what those um who you're talking to or or what the parameters are with respect to that but we've had a lot of people come back to us and say hey I I filed my own trademark I did x y and z and now I'm in this sticky situation and legal fees are higher now than if you know you had come to me and from the get-go we could have thought through some of these issues address them early on, and then you wouldn't be in a sticky situation.
1: I'm old enough to remember when we used to pay $100 an hour for an attorney, and that was like, that was a good deal. And now, yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not waking up for, they're not even going to listen to it. They won't even take the call. The the receptionist won't take the call. Um, Let me ask you this. So uh, there is, uh, because you bring up a point, um, is there a time when it makes sense to do it by yourself as opposed to using an attorney? And again, I'm asking for an honest question, not a, somebody who bills by the 15-minute increment.
0: Right. I would say if you have months and months before you need something done, then go through the process of learning it on your own. Absolutely. If, if this is something that needs to happen and needs to happen right, quickly— then I would hire an attorney to take it over. Um, one thing I always tell our clients who especially are, are conscious with respect to money is you can do a lot of it on your own and then you can contact us and we can just check it over.
1: Oh, Okay. So if there's, I mean, if there's something that needs to be tweaked, um, can you get a revision to it and an amendment or whatever the legal term would be?
0: Exactly. Revision? I've, I've had clients do that. They'll prepare, the trademark application, the description for the goods and services, they'll come to me and say, hey, Ann, this is what we're selling. This is what we prepared. Can you just check this over? And then they go back and they file it.
1: What's the cost uh, around, and it's a rough number, and this will change uh, next year, guaranteed. Um, but what, what's a reasonable that somebody should budget for uh, a, a normal trademark,
0: not a real complicated one? So the trademark office itself charges $275. Generally, there's some other fees that can be added or de- deleted from that, depending on your trademark. So $275 per mark, per per good or service. So that can add up quickly if you have multiple goods or services that you're finding. Five- oh, well,
1: give me uh- an example there. So, so let's take, um, so I'm going to do the banana water bottle but I also want it to be I don't you know I don't know what else. It holds water, but it's sports. I mean, let you know, I me mean, that's a bad example. but give me an example where there would be a broader and, and where you would need to have it match those services and goods.
0: Yeah, so something we see quite often is with apps. If you are filing a trademark for an app, say it's for a beauty service, you may have not only an app, which is one classification, classification nine, I believe, though I'd have to double check. Um, just pulling that out from memory. But then you might also have a web platform that you use. And so that's an entirely different class that you would then have to pay for to cover.
1: And it's a complete separate fee, um, not a separate application, correct?
0: Correct. It's the same application. I guess technically you could file it as two separate applications, but I wouldn't. Um, you can file it all under the same application.
1: Okay. All right. Um, how about the lawyer fees? Reasonable estimate for a trademark.
0: If we're doing any everything from scratch, I normally estimate about an hour to two hours, so between um, five hundred to seven hundred dollars of attorneys' fees associated with it.
1: So a little more than a, so twelve hundred dollars. Between a thousand and twelve hundred dollars is probably a reasonable range. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. So I think people understand that. Um, when you have a trademark, how, how, much, how important is that when, especially now as e-commerce is, you know, we're still in the infancy stage, but, you know, we all think it's going to get a little bit bigger, right? I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, how, how important is it if you have a brand or you have a product that you think can be a brand for you to really have this in place because you're going to eventually have to defend it or fight somebody else who's infringing on your product how important is that?
0: Well, so you're asking how important is it to keep to keep other people from...
1: Well, having a trademark um, from, from today, I mean, in today's Amazon world, um, it helps you get brand registered and all that kind of jazz. So it helps you, you know, so you can sort of protect your product. Not much, but you can sort of protect it. And then um, with with somebody inferring your name, right? I, if, if I'm correct, they can't even use my trademark in their back-end keywords, which nobody sees uh, technically, correct? Legally.
0: Legally, actually, you can use it in the background keywords. So
1: I can use Nike in all my background keywords? That's illegal?
0: That's legal.
1: No kidding. Mm, Steve didn't know that, so that's news <laughs> to me. I, 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 I don't know that Amazon allows that, though.
0: Amazon may not. But
1: but it's not a legal issue. So it's just because they have a handshake with that brand, maybe or something or, or maybe that's part of how that brand sells on their platform. They say, hey, you got to help protect us. Maybe that's they, right. that, that seems logical. But OK,
0: you, keywords you can.
1: So then what was a trademark going to protect me for? So so I mean, because I'm asking how important is it, you know, and you, like you said, it, it's if you're going to do it, you should do it because it's going to take quite a while um, if you're going forward. But but what is it going to protect
0: me from? Well, so I would even step back. So really the benefit of having a trademark is being able to develop the goodwill associated with your products and your uh. services. I think I think more so than having to defend yourself. That is truly the benefit of, you know, locking in a trademark and using that trademark to identify what it is that you're selling because consumers tend to go with brands that they know and that they trust. And so, you know, it's almost a good thing, not not really good, but a good thing if people start to copy you, because that means that you have developed that that goodwill with consumers. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once you have that trademark and that goodwill, you know, that's when you have the ability then to defend that trademark and prevent other people from using it, which, you know, in the e-commerce world, especially on Amazon, is um, undeniably an an important aspect of, of being successful in sales. You know,
1: I'm looking at at one of your examples that Uber is a good one, right? I mean, that makes sense to me, right? So Uber and Lyft are two separate companies. They offer similar services, they used to anyway. Now, however, Uber has Uber Eats, for example, right? And Uber Freight is another one there. They've really taken their their trademark now and have expanded it into these other places. So to me, when you think Uber, you think, uh, you know, I don't know what it used to mean. To be honest with you, I don't even know if I, I mean, when you think of that word, it, you know, it might right. mean extra cool way back in the day. You're like uber cool, and <laughs> right, you know, um, but, but now it, you almost take it to mean that it's going to transport something, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Hmm. Hmm. That's a good example. Okay. All
0: Our right. Very powerful when used correctly and used smartly.
1: Well, that's cool. All right. So now, because I'm not confused enough on trademarks, we're going to jump to a copyright. Okay. And a copyright, um, walk us through uh, what a copyright is and then maybe some examples.
0: So a copyright grants the creator of an original work of art exclusive rights um, to that piece of artwork so that it can't be used by others. And the interesting thing with copyrights other than trademarks is that they take effect the moment that they are fixed in a tangible form. So the moment that you take a photo the moment that you create a sculpture, um, the moment that you write down song lyrics for the song that you're working on. That's when a copyright applies. You can register your copyright with the Copyright Office. That affords you greater damages if somebody does end up copying your work of art. But generally, you can put that um, little C after whatever it is that you create, and then you're protected.
1: So I write this unbelievable and it would be unbelievable blog post about banana water bottles and it would be very you know just incredible that's immediately every sentence i jot down is immediately copyright it sure is and when i publish it to the interwebs um that then unless uh, someone credits me is technically thievery if they go or they're infringing on my copyright if i if they copy my words correct Correct. Now, but it's done all the time. So, I mean, it's, why is it selectively enforced? Because it's so vast and unmanageable?
0: Yeah, that could be the author themselves have to go after people. Um, Kind of what I was saying earlier with, with the internet, it's much easier for people to infringe. Um, And it's, you know, sometimes easier to, to catch them doing so, but it can be difficult as well. I know that some major companies, when you think of um, like Time Warner and companies such as that, have dedicated departments to monitoring their copyrighted materials and issuing takedowns. That's a big, a big problem on YouTube. Sometimes if you go to a YouTube channel, you'll see, now this has been taken down by yada, yada, yada. That's because the author himself had went and took it down.
1: Yeah, it, like if they're doing a video and you have music in the background um, after, I think it's like 10 seconds, I think is what they say. Um, you could actually lose your video because you don't have rights to use that music um, right. unless you have gotten bought those rights. It's funny, like my podcast, the music that you hear at the beginning, I had to pay for, right? I had to buy the rights for that. And the cool voice guy, I had to pay for him too. Um, and, um, but it, it's, it's logical because you can't, now you can go out and find a whole bunch of free stuff. But the risk now—it's just a risk if you ever take off. Now nobody's going to come and say, "Hey, oh, listen, this, you know, three people listen to my podcast, so they're not—they're not going to bother." But so, what? What is a um, when I'm thinking about a literary work? I mean, me literally writing a blog post—that's considered a literary work.
0: Absolutely. Why wouldn't it be? You just because you my don't writing. <laughs> I thought you said it was unbelievable.
1: <laughs> it was. It's now. Am I the first guy to lie to you? Today. No comment. <laughs> no comment. Today. No. Um, but seriously, I mean, it's just, you don't think of it that way, right? You just don't think. So when I'm putting the words on my packaging, so let's bring it to e-commerce, right? And I'm putting on there the descriptions of, uh, uh, of my bottle versus, some, you know, whatever, not even any versus anybody else. It's what I, the, the, the key takeaway from my bottle. Is that phrase then copyrighted? It can be. But if it's blue, it's a blue bottle, that's well, copyright.
0: So are you you're sort of conflating trademark and copyright? So are you thinking of a slogan, or are you no? Thinking of I'm thinking, a thinking
1: of a description.
0: A description. description? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's copyright protected. So we often see that on on Amazon. Um, if you are listing for a certain product and use the original product's description, you'll get a, t- a copyright takedown notice regarding it. You Wait, give me, uh, give me
1: say that again. Give me. So so, if I'm copying somebody else's, obviously, but but I'm the first-time seller of this blue water bottle, and I put a description next to it that says yeah. blue water bottle. I could get that taken down because somebody else owns the no, rights to? No, 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 no. Okay.
0: No, no. I'm saying if somebody else were to use what you said, you know, it'd have to be probably something a little more verbose than just blue water bottle. Um,
1: so it can't be that general
0: it has to be considered a work of art
1: okay so blue water so bottle maybe if you're describing a painting it, I guess it could be if if Monet you know made a painting that said blue water bottle maybe that could be but but generally just the word blue water bottle or are, are just too right. generic okay
0: too, yeah okay yeah. that would not be protected by copyright
1: how different do we have to like Because titles then I mean is my title for my Amazon product or my eBay product doesn't matter um, that seems to be copyrighted. How different does somebody who's going to use my, because on eBay, it's done all the time. They use exactly the same title. I mean, it's, it's the most common thing that you see on eBay where people just say, because eBay even gives you an option. Hey, um, sell one like it or something. I forget what the phrase is that they use and everything just comes right in over. How different do I need to make it than yours to make it, Protected. And again, that's assuming that you're coming after me, which, you know, logically most people wouldn't, but, but, you know, to be right.
0: You know, that's a tough, tough question to answer in the abstract. You would have to compare the two, um, A, to determine whether or not the initial phrase or, or word or work of art is indeed copyright protected. And then. Oh,
1: just because they say it is, doesn't mean it is right Uh, okay right well because and and the other thing i would think is that you know you sold your blue water bottle and now i'm coming along copying your stuff to sell my blue water bottle do you do you don't even own one anymore right so i guess that likelihood of you coming back and saying hey that was mine right that's my work of art no but do you run a?
0: instead of of just the word water bottle because that's You couldn't actually protect that with a copyright. Let's think about if you took an artistic picture of a blue water bottle and somebody used that image or an image very similar. That's a no-no. That's a no-no.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. But there's a
0: threshold. I mean, they could still take a picture of your blue water bottle just in a different location, and that wouldn't be a copy of your picture. It would be different.
1: So all those images that are out there floating on the Internet, they're all fine to take and use, uh, or no? No, No.
0: they aren't. I mean, the chances of you getting caught are probably slim, but somewhere, somebody took that picture and that was copyrighted by them by the fact that they took it.
1: There's a massive company, I can't think of their name, the photo company that that's what they do. Is they they uh, Getty Images, that's it. They okay. own gazillions of images and they will find you. They will absolutely so it's one of those things. How about the sites like a Pixabay where they sell images or there's free images too and is you have to make sure that they can be used for commercial use, correct? They give you the rights, and it has to be if you're going to put it in your eBay listing or your Amazon listing
0: for commercial rights, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. All right. I make sure I get that. All right. Anything else on copyrights? How 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 does this help me uh, selling on Amazon or eBay having a copyright?
0: Uh, it, it's the same as it's the same as trademarks. It's an identifier in my mind. Um, if you take a picture of your goods and it's a, a nice picture and somebody else would want to use it to help sell their products, sell their products, you know, you're able to protect yourself from, from somebody taking your hard work. The interesting thing with copyrights, and this is one thing I wanted to mention with Amazon is if oftentimes, at least what we've seen is there are fraudulent copyright takedown notices filed. And the nice thing about copyrights is under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, DMCA is what we call it, there's a clause that says if you receive a takedown notice for a copyright complaint, um, you can essentially challenge the person who alleged copyright infringement. And so you send back what we call a counter notice and the person that alleged infringement has 10 days to file a civil lawsuit against you. And we've seen it go both ways, where the person will file a lawsuit, um, and then we've seen it, on the contrary, where they don't, and then Amazon relists your goods.
1: But it's a little scary. So how do you know when... I mean, do you just know, I mean, that's, again, that's, I guess that's when you get an attorney is you just know that they're full of nonsense. And it's just these people just, because I see it on the Amazon merch shirts, a whole bunch, right. That people are doing that, right. They all of a sudden are just, I guess, maliciously, I don't know how to say it any better than that. They're maliciously just sending out these massive things. And most people are like, oh my God, I got a letter. I better take it down. Right. And it's a competitor. And they don't have any rights to it, but they're doing that. Now, obviously, that, that opens up a whole other can of worms legally, but there's a lot of that.
0: There is a lot of that. We see it a lot. Um, it's too bad. It's too bad that they don't have this on the trademark side, too, because there's not much that you can do from a trademark perspective. Um, but this is a nice avenue with the copyright just to you know, throw it back at them and say, I'm calling your bluff. And oftentimes it is.
1: But how do you, yeah? Oftentimes, right. So that sounds like more than not, right? That's right. is that fair? Right. But how do you know? How do you know when? I mean, because some of that stuff looks real.
0: You don't. You don't know when. You just sort of have to have to trust your gut. Um, a lot of it is based on in our experience, our communications with the other side. If it seems legitimate, then we're probably not going to recommend that you file a counter notice. You know, if there's a real attorney on the other side corresponding with us, then it's likely that you have a copyright and uh, would be willing to file a lawsuit against them. If we are getting no responses or we have to get responses that just clearly don't understand intellectual property and are spouting off random words to try and scare us, um, that's when we'll call their bluff. It doesn't seem legitimate.
1: And so, again, that's when you bring in an attorney. How, how expensive is is it to get to the point of calling somebody's bluff?
0: It's relatively inexpensive to file a counter notice. At least for us, we charge about $1,000, which takes into account our time reviewing your case file to make sure that, yep, indeed, we think this is an illegitimate complaint. And then actually drafting the counter notice um, doesn't take as much time as you would think. But, but we like to have everything in a row before we we file off that that counter notice, because the last thing we really want is for you to then be engaged in a litigation. Nobody wants to be in litigation, but the attorneys
1: yeah, nobody makes money, but you guys I get it yeah and and not even you, the partners right unless you're a partner those and then, yeah. then the senior partners make a lot more money. I get it. I understand I've seen that system okay so it's it's definitely one of those it's scary um. But it's not. Right. So if you if you're in a good position, if you feel if you have a good brand and you're building a brand and you've done everything right and you, you know, hey, that's part of doing business. Like you said, somebody's going to copy it because that's a that's a compliment. Steve, yeah. your water bottle is unbelievable. And uh, <laughs> and so therefore we're going to we're going to we're going to copy it. And so therefore you have to be able to defend it. OK. All right. All right. Now let's get to the easy stuff. This is simple patents. Right. They're just simple, simple, easy Things right. So if I take um, this water bottle and I do a left twist as opposed to a right twist, I could get a patent on that. Correct?
0: Well, not so sure about that. Not so sure. Damn! All my
1: big ideas. These were big ideas. How much?
0: How much time do we have? Another
1: like five, six hours? Uh, No, 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 no. Um so so walk us through uh, patents because there's a couple different patents right there I mean there's two that I think are real relevant to what we're talking about.
0: Right. So there are a couple types of patents. There's utility patents which grant the right to exclude somebody from making, using or selling um a device, a method or system. So it's protecting a utility. And then we have design patents which protect the ornamental aspects of a design. And then we have plant patents, which up until recently were not that popular. But with um, marijuana – I was going to say, don't don't
1: tell me – I was going to say weed. Come on. The weed people are in this too?
0: It really is. Yeah, we have a pretty strong marijuana practice here actually. Um,
1: You're all high? No. Oh, great.
0: Not quite. Not quite. Uh, But protecting it has been big. You know, The more states where it gets passed in, the more important it is to protect not only patents but trademarks as well.
1: No kidding. Those weed people are everywhere. And you guys found a way in. I love it. Love it, no. love it, love it. Um, okay, so I think the, the two that are probably relevant for the listeners of this show would be the utility and design. So so let's start with, um, I, I, you know, you tell me which one we should start with. Steve's water bottle. Uh, utility or design? Or both.
0: So Steve's water bottle would most likely, we would recommend a design patent. So water bottles have been out there for ages, unless there's a specific new utility that the water bottle is used for, or you found some, came up with some awesome invention that separates it from any other invention that's out there. Give an
1: example like that, because I, I think it's important to make a distinct, a water bottle is just general. Um, give me an example where somebody could have gotten a patent to take a product farther.
0: Right, so if you think of the wine opener, typical wine openers are you know somebody inserting the screw into the cork on the top and then pulling it out, and then the rabbit came along, and somebody patented the idea for having the lever that inserts the corkscrew into the cork and then seamlessly pulls it out. And that whole system is protected by a utility patent.
1: And... The whole system, so somebody can't make a similar. I mean, the con, I mean, what what's the patent? The concept of the the grips in different positions, or is the concept of uh, jabbing the cork?
0: I would have to take a look at the patent itself. So, in a utility patent, the scope of the invention is defined in what we call the claims, and it's typically twenty. Sentences at the end of the patent that describe the scope of whatever it is that's being invented That's kind of where patent attorneys come in because it's this weird legal language that we've probably developed on our own for security issues Hmm. Um, But it's a very legal Interpretation each each word is carefully chosen To have a meaning and a definition and to define what the scope is of that particular device.
1: Because you got to think it all the way out, the whole potential of it, right? I mean, that's really important.
0: You do. You do. Mm-hmm. It's essential, actually. That's really the meat and the guts of a patent is is how you define it in the claims.
1: Are there people that go back to these patents and look and say, oh, Steve wrote that himself. Look at all those openings and boom, and then they can go and do their own thing. And then they're have a they in a better position because when it comes to defend, it's like, "Yep, well, you're right. You didn't say you were going to use it to hold tequila, Steve. Uh, I mean, bad example, but um, not really. Um, but that, that, that's an example that, that when doing it by yourself or somebody who's not experienced with it could expose what you think you're protected for.
0: Right. So we pretty much never recommend that people try drafting their own claims. Um, you can. You can file a patent on your own, but I think I've only seen it once or twice And those people tend to have a lot of experience in patents before doing so. Um, It's easy. I wouldn't say it's easy. But if you don't have proper patent coverage, patent scope coverage, you can design around whatever the claim is. So if somebody comes to us with an invention, it's our job to define the invention as broad as we possibly can, but narrow enough to make it through prosecution at the patent office. And so what typically happens, it's a, it's a game with the U.S. Patent Trademark mm. Office. We will define the invention broadly. The patent office will come back to us and say, for these reasons, we don't think you should be entitled to a patent, whether it's, you know, this particular reference already describes your invention or this combination of references would render what we call your invention obvious And so then we say, okay, fine, we're going to narrow our claims slightly. We're going to narrow the scope of our invention. How about that? Do you still think that this invention has already been disclosed? And the patent office will either say yes or no, and then you can continue arguing with them, um, or hopefully you get a patent issued at that point.
1: Obvious is really key, isn't it? I mean, that sounds like that's a real uh, point that, you know, when anybody's creating, because you know what? On the radio, I heard that I can get patents. Uh, Invention Corporation, one of those corporations. All my inventions—they're going to get patents right through. Right? That's that's all legit. Right? All that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the answer is no. So, so obvious is a big piece of the uh, uh, puzzle here.
0: It is. So it's sort of the subjective side. Um, hmm. So the the examiner can back can come back to us with colorable arguments about why two references should be combined to state that your invention is obvious and then we can come back with colorable arguments as well it's that gray area in patent law so an example that i like to use is um, a client a couple of years ago wanted to get a patent on a jello shot cup Hmm. that had a rotating um, piece on the bottom that would help release the jello from the cup
1: you have some interesting clients: weed and liquor. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Yep, I know, mm. right? and wine things. Mm. <laughs> I'm seeing a pattern here, Ann. I'm just saying. You know. I'm
0: trying to keep just, on. just just saying. saying. I yeah. can talk to you about all the really boring stuff too. Um, and so we submitted a patent application, and the office came back to us and cited references from you know the 20s and 30s and 40s, really old references that were for mugs or a pie tin that had a rotating piece that would release the pie or an ice cream scoop that had a rotating piece that would release the ice cream. And so they said that this jello shot, this little cup, was obvious in light of these inventions that had already been on the market for ages. Even
1: though those patents are probably, you know, expired, that doesn't matter.
0: It doesn't matter. So it's still disclosed into public, and so that can be used against you. It's what we call prior art. Hmm.
1: And so likely they would reject something and say, you know, not, not. It's just too obvious. Even though you know, yeah, it's novel, but it's still obvious.
0: It's still obvious, and hmm. you know that's that's helpful for consumers too because it, it would be unfair for somebody to get. A patent, 20 years of protection on a device that really has already been disclosed in the public.
1: You've done jealous shots, and I can tell. Mm -hmm. All right, so now let's talk (laughs) about design. (laughs) Let's talk about design patents. Uh, Yeah, you got a little baby. You're not doing jealous shots right now. Design patents. Um, So give me an example of a design patent. Um, Something that would be that you would see in the e commerce world. I think that that's because I think this is really important for what we do.
0: So one design patent that's come through that I've seen recently is for the Ninja wallet. Are you?
1: That's that little little credit card you put in your wallet and it cuts and chops and does a million different things, right?
0: Right. Like tools but on a credit card piece. Mm-hmm. So a design patent protects the ornamental design of a functional item. So if you think about that um, Ninja wallet, they – have patent protection on the ornamental aspects so the shapes of the cutouts and they might have patent protection on um you know where certain edges jut out it's it's the shape it's the overall look of that design another good thing to think about is the apple charger for macbooks they have a design patent covering the square device with rounded edges And when you are looking at a design patent, the claims, so where in a utility patent it's words, the claims in a design patent are the solid lines. And so that defines what the scope of the patent will be, is where the solid lines are. So in an Apple patent for the charger, the solid lines are gonna cover the rectangular shape, the curved lines, And then everything else might be dotted. They might have a dotted line for where the hole is for the cord to be attached. But that is not a necessary feature of that particular design. It's really just the squared charger with the rounded edges.
1: Is that to their advantage? It sounds like it would be, right? Because that little square is where the real money is. The wire is wire, right? Because the wire is going to change. And so they might not want to stay bound to a certain way, correct? Correct.
0: Exactly. So you're getting a broader Hmm. patent by having less defined.
1: Yeah, right, right, because the rest of it doesn't matter. So let's just go back to your Ninja Wallet example. Um, Can I just, uh, instead of having a, I don't know how to describe it, they got some dagger pointing on that one thing to open an envelope or whatever, can I make that a circle and make, make, I mean, can't I... I guess unless they have a utility patent on it, and that's what you're going to say, Steve, all right, um, (laughs) is that if they don't have the utility patent, I can make another one, just make my own shapes and be happy with it. However, if they have a utility patent, which I'm assuming these guys are smart enough to do, then they own the rights to have some kind of credit card tool or something, right?
0: Right. Right. So your design would have to be substantially different than the design in the design patent.
1: But is that is that just changing the stitching, you know, so I'm selling um I'm selling bathing suits. Is that just changing the stitching from a, a loop to a And I have no I'm totally talking I have no clue what I'm talking about there. But but is, is that is that significant enough or um or not, maybe?
0: That's for a jury to decide, to be honest. Oh wow. Okay. It, it All really right. depends. It's it's design law is one of the things where you kind of wanna trust your gut. If it looks too similar, it probably is too similar. Um, it's, it's a subjective evaluation.
1: But that's a lot of what private label uh, 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 sellers talk about is that, you know, go find a great product out there and make your own version of it. You know, improve it, do something to it. Um, there, that's kind of a, a sketchy area, isn't it?
0: It can be very dangerous. You um, definitely want to do a patent search ahead of time. Um, which Google Patents is a great resource for doing that. They have design patent searching as well. and make sure that that you're in the clear. And we do that quite often for for people before they launch their device or or product is, hey, can you can you do a prior art search for us? We want to make sure we're covered. If we're not covered, can you propose a design that you think would be outside of, the protection that already exists
1: so that's the place to start you're saying is google patents is a great place to start the, yeah, the discovery yeah. and yes. then you go down deeper into the um uspto which i mean it's it's definitely more user-friendly today than what it was but it's still it's still
0: odd it's
1: yeah it's odd i mean it yeah. clearly was My wife would tell you a guy came up with it, and (laughs) I would agree with her. Um, So she would, and and I'd be like, "Yeah, you're right. I'm I'm sure because it's not, it's not user friendly." And again, I sit back and I say somebody's benefiting, so it's probably done by design. Um, It's intentional not to change it because somebody benefits. (laughs) The attorneys. Dad. Yeah, I know. It's your fault. Everything's your fault. Okay, so <clears throat> one of the things that you talked about earlier was goodwill. And I remember when we sold a the company, there was some money. I used to have to go through these crazy calculations to calculate the goodwill back in my old accounting days. Um, let's talk about why IP is valuable um, and why people really need to, to, to start thinking it this way about their brand.
0: Yeah, I mean, for starters, having IP attracts investors. Um, That's probably where we see it the most is new company owners want to lock down that patent or at least get the patent issued or a trademark on file so that they can go to investors and say, we have this IP protection and we can prevent other people from coming into our zone. So not only is it attracting those investors, it's also keeping competitors out which, as everybody knows...
1: Yeah, is- we want to protect ourselves. That's huge. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: One of, the, one of the big challenges now, in, in the, um, especially in the uh, w- uh, private label, white label world, is that so many people are coming from other countries, uh, Asian countries, uh, named China, and they're copying or they're affecting my brand now, my water bottle brand, my whatever brand. And it's, you're seeing so much of it. Mm -hmm. What, what, what do you suggest to clients, um, that they need to do, you know, really the best practices to really, if they're real serious about building this brand, these are kind of the absolutes you want to put in place now to, to, to stave off because you're not going to stop it, but you can, you can, you know, protect as much as you can. So hopefully you can successfully defend it.
0: First would be obtaining trademark and patent protection. That at least affords you the opportunity to assert your rights on Amazon and other e-commerce platforms.
1: And generally, for the most part, do the, do the platforms respect that?
0: Almost to a fault, we've seen lately.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: the, it seems Amazon is very brand favored, which is, which is great for brands. Um, often difficult for sellers because they receive so many IP violations, and some of them aren't legitimate. Um, because Amazon's taking the brand side before really evaluating the the merits of the claims. But, so it's fire
1: yeah. fire before aim, right? That's it what they're doing. Do yep. So so a good example is I'm selling um, uh, Adidas sneakers, and I'm buying them from a distributor, um, and uh, so I put my Adidas sneakers up on Amazon, and Nike's a better example, but but we'll just say Adidas today, and, and so I put them up for sale. I bought them legitimately. I've got, a, I've got an invoice, Ann. I've got an invoice from a company that says they have rights to sell Adidas, and boom, I put them up, and then all of a sudden, I get notified, hey, you're not a registered seller of our brand. Take it down or else. Right? That's something that we see a lot of. Exactly. So exactly. what's my defense? <laughs>
0: To be honest, your defense at that point is either filing your plan of action with Amazon, which companies like eGrowth assist sellers with frequently, or talk to the rights owner and say you have
1: to actually go out to Adidas and say, hey, wait, man, I bought these from Bob and Bob's showed me that he has authorization to sell your brand and he's a distributor. And so I've done everything right. Why are you penalizing me? I mean, are they open to that conversation?
0: Oftentimes distributors want you to just stop selling entirely and more often than not what we see is sellers, sellers are more willing to stop selling the product than having their marketplace have the violation tarnish and so many of our letters are saying it's that give and take. We'll stop selling if you retract the IP violation notice and then they stop selling it entirely.
1: Yeah, I've had that with music, um, that with a, uh, someone with a CD, um, very, um, it was the law firm, that's what they did. It was just four or five uh, uh, dead people that they represented and they protected their brand. And it's like, okay, we'll just take it down. You know, not even gonna fight it because, you know, that's fine. It And, and uh, we just took it down. Um, so is that the time you go back to your distributor and say, hey, Bob, you sold me these and you represented that you, uh, I'm allowed to sell these other places? Because I've heard the first sale doctrine will protect me every single time. That's all i got to do. So i just got to open the door and yell, first sale doctrine, and I'm defended. No. Yeah,
0: it's not quite that, not quite that simple. It's <sighs> cert- I know, right? It affords a lot of protection, um, but Amazon has certain policies that that – Um, require a lot more specific or a lot more intolerant of just an open application of the first sale doctrine. Um, For example, you can't resell an item and mark it as new. You have to mark it as used even though it may very well be new. Um, So it's not quite as simple as just throwing up the first sale doctrine flag.
1: Okay, yeah. So, yeah, even though it is new, it's not new um, because it's transferred ownership. So therefore legally in the court's mind, that becomes non-new? Is that correct? Okay. That's interesting. Okay. And that, that seems to be a place that people get hung up a lot. Um, and it depends on the platform. Um, Amazon's much more aggressive than, than an eBay or an Etsy, right?
0: Yes, I believe so.
1: Okay. All right. So let's bring it home. So when, when is the time that, we need to. I mean, what you described is uh, we've got to get that patent and that trademark in place. Those are the best defenses we have. That's the place to get it. When's the time when we need to bring in an attorney? Are you that's a very about- broad. That's a very broad <laughs> yeah. question. Your answer is going to be every time, Steve. Of course. And uh, no, by no, the no. way, I bill in fifteen minute increments every time.
0: Right. <laughs> so I'm sending you my invoice. Out.
1: Yeah, that's right. But no, I guess you know because it, it it's you know. When I get, you know, so let so maybe, maybe I'll say it this way because I'm, I'm stumbling on my words. But the guy who's going or lady who's going and scanning target end caps and they're selling, you know, two of these, five of these, one of these, and they get one of those letters. Um, they're probably not going to find that item again. It's from a legitimate source because you can generally tell, or at least they used to be able to easily tell. Now they've gotten a little more sophisticated. But generally, you know, you communicate with each other and somebody's like, yeah, yeah, I checked them out. Yeah, they're real. Pull it down, take the loss and move on correct oh, pull the listing down move on or maybe not
0: so are you are you talking from a brand side when you yeah have-
1: I'm selling uh, I'm selling no, okay. there's not even a brand here a P- pilot uh, precise pens and I put them up and then all of a sudden I get one of those letters um, and I don't have a lot of them it's not a it's not something I'm developed is it worth any time uh, should I see an attorney or is it just take your licks, move on?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it depends on the, the breadth of the protection that you're trying to, to afford. So if it's not that many and you're able to take down the listings that you don't want um, and prevent them from going back up, then I think you're set. I don't think you need an attorney. If it rises to a level where these keep occurring and we need to send out cease and desist letters to the actual corporations, you know, if they're selling outside of Amazon, then that's something where it's probably best to get an attorney involved in and make sure the language in the letter is correct. Make sure that you're asserting um, the right laws and protection against them.
1: Wait, 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 I don't think I understood what you meant there. So, so give me another example. So. They're, they would prevent me from selling. Period. Is that what you think? And then, so therefore, I got to say, hey, wait a second. You know, I'm allowed to sell them. Amazon's saying no, but but I'm. I mean, so I'm not sure I clear what you were what you meant there.
0: Oh,
1: maybe I'm unclear about your hypothetical. <laughs> <No>. um. <laughs> I, I started the, uncle- the I don't know what the right word would be, the, the lack of clarity. Okay, so so um, I get one of those letters. Um, so I'll go back to my music example. The music example was like, hey, you know, uh, you're, you don't have rights to sell this dead person's stuff. And I'm like, well, it's used. And the attorney's like, yeah, it's cool, but you still don't have rights to sell it. And so therefore, um, if you take your listing down, we'll make it go away. And, you know, I'm like, okay. So I agree, talked to the, actually, I got on the phone, talked to the attorney, and it was very reasonable. He's like, yep, no problem, Um, and he shot off the letter to Amazon, and Amazon said, yep, you're good, okay? And so whatever strike hopefully got de-striked, right, and so my reputation didn't get soiled, um, and I just gave them away, right? I didn't sell them, but I could sell them to, at my yard sale, correct? I own them. Uh, Yes. Okay, so that's different right? Yes. Um, And that attorney's not circling my driveway saying, hey, what's in that yard sale box over there, right? Um, Why is it different? Let me ask you that because that's a reasonable question.
0: You are not, by selling it at your house, you are not coming across as though you are the brand owner themselves. And I think that line gets blurred on Amazon.
1: Yeah, well, because if I had a retail store, uh, a, a thrift store, that's a commercial venture, um, but it's not because I'm I'm doing Elvis. It wasn't Elvis, but but it's if it was Elvis's thrift store, that might be the issue, right? So, uh, you know, so maybe that's the distinction.
0: Right, if you're putting yourself off as the okay. person that or the brand owner and selling it through that brand, um, that's where the problem lies because a cons- it's all from the consumer's perspective. And so if the consumer thinks that they're getting a pair of shoes from Nike, they should be getting a pair of shoes from Nike. It shouldn't be, you know, some, a middleman who is coming off as, I'm selling Nike products.
1: But, but 56% am, of Amazon's sales come from third-party sellers, not from the
0: brands. Right, which is why Amazon is so particular or so, so brand savvy or so, so in favor of the brands that they can monitor their, their own products.
1: So you have to be an agent of the brand, I guess is a better example right for Nike for that that's what they're saying.
0: Well, you have to be an authorized distributor
1: okay, and so that's be- you're going
0: to sell the new product
1: right, right, right Yeah, I understand they do that. they don't enforce last year's it was just so it's it's basically that's the that's the distinction. So when a buyer is buying on Amazon, they think they're buying from an authorized seller of Nike or whatever. Right. Um, so therefore it's okay, all right, and when they're not, that's when it becomes potentially a problem if the brand raises uh, a stink about it. Exactly. Okay. And right, wants cool. to
0: protect their goodwill.
1: All right. Well, we never did talk about eBay, um, but the rules are relatively sim- similar, correct?
0: They are. Yep.
1: Okay. All right. And so um, when people are thinking about uh, getting started... Uh, what? Do you do, you guys don't do anything for free. This was going to be a dumb question. Like, huh? Um, is there some type of consulting that people, um, that you guys offer when people are starting to develop a brand so they can go through, like, get the whole scope of the potential, whether they need a trademark, whether they need a patent, whether they need all those things?
0: Absolutely. So we'll sit down with people and help them identify good trademarks, what to trademark, what IP they should protect, what IP maybe they should hold off on protecting. Um, you know, we, we understand that it's expensive. And so we come to the table with that thought process in mind. Some things are more important to protect than others. Patents generally come first in terms of expense, trademarks come second. Um, But if you can do it all at the same time, even better.
1: Yeah. I I sit and I think about packaging. It's such an important thing that people need to really, to get, you know, control of and make sure that they have their, their ducks in a row because it means so much. And, and, you know, I think, I don't think people pay attention to it. And I think there's an opportunity here. Okay. So the law firm is like eight guys with these giant names, uh, nothing easy, but the MBHB is easy. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Somebody, a man thought of the other one, but uh, some woman said, Hey, let's just use MBHB. It'd be easy. Um, what's the website that if somebody wants more information? mbhb.com oh i love it saying i tell you some lady said hey um <laughs> and um and uh, i'll put ann's contact here and so she's uh, uh this is a, a field that you practice in day and night it is nerd okay all right well man I, I really appreciate it um i really appreciate the the detail um and the help that you've given um you gave a presentation in um Chicago at Ecom Chicago if somebody requests is that presentation available can I use any of that on my website absolutely yeah. okay legally you heard her everybody I'm recording so she said it so I'll put some of the links out here and and uh, um, a couple of the slides because I think there's some really good um, simple easy to understand information that's what I really appreciate uh, about what you got here so hey thank you so much man I really appreciate thank it
0: thank you thank you it's been great
1: Great episode. Great lady. Uh, clearly knows what she's talking about. I just love that. Um, I love somebody who's so confident and has seen so much. Um, I think that that's the, that's the key. You know, it's funny. As, as you sell longer in this world, you realize things, right? You get smarter. You get you know better at different things. Well, in their world, it's the same thing. You know, they do something. It gets tested. They tweak it. Next time, it doesn't get tested because they tweaked it right, and then something else new comes along and then they tweak it that's the beauty of having somebody with experience so it didn't sound that expensive um, if you're building a brand you know thousand bucks twelve hundred bucks, not that much money to protect think about you know how long you know you know seven hundred six seven eight hundred dollars an hour now how long is uh, an hour defense going to take you that 1200 bucks you would have spent you know thinking back right so as as ann points out this is the stuff you want to do up front so as you're building these private label brands and you're really creating something this is really important and uh, i think she does a great job explaining it really really cool ecommerce momentum.com ecommerce momentum.com take care